Yeah. So this morning, uh, I'm really honored and humbled uh, to have this opportunity. But I just thought maybe, maybe because it's the first time I'm, I'm preaching at, at Redemption, maybe just a few words of a brief introduction um, will just help set the tone for, 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 for this morning. So firstly, um, if you're wondering who's responsible for this, um, he's sitting in the front of the church this morning. Um, we are a church under authority, uh, and Joe is, is the authority at this stage. As the church grows, um, as the church grows, there will be structures put in place and so forth, according to the Bible. And you know, Joe has already reiterated that the church will be structured on, on biblical principles. So we know that that will happen at some stage. Um, so Joe is in authority. And, um, and he takes his authority seriously. And I've sent my notes through to Joe. He asked for them. So he knows what's, what's in the message today. And then the other thing I'd like to just mention as introduction is um, about unity. Remember um, last week when Bernie and Ian were here? And she spoke about um, you know, the, the, the treasure of, of unity in a church. And when you build a church in our unity, uh, remember she said how the Lord commands a blessing and how she emphasized that. And, um, and, and as, we, as we come together and as we grow and as people find their roles and their functions, it's so encouraging. And, and Jana was sharing with me uh, a few weeks ago when she started uh, playing about how it was a step of faith for her as well. I'm right, I remember. Um, to stand up and to start to, to share your talents with us. And so, as time goes on, um, you know, and as the body grows, and let's also just keep in mind that we're all so different. You know, that also just comes to be, we're such different people, we're different ages, um, we've got different backgrounds, we've got different strengths, um, but this whole thing about unity um, in diversity, and if we, if we build the church on that basis going forward, um, and, it, and it is, it's such a nice place to be, isn't it? Um, enjoyable place, there's a nice, a nice camaraderie, there's a, a good atmosphere in the church. And then, you may just be wondering a little bit about who I am and my road. Um, let's get that out the way, so that we can get into the, the message, but I do think some of you might just like to know a little bit. So, my testimony, I came to the Lord at a young age. Um, I grew up in a, in a Christian family. Um, and then there were challenges in my life. I think marriage for a lot of us is a, is a big challenge. But the Lord uses all those things in our life um, to shape us, to mold us, and to make us into what He wants us to be. Um, as I've got older, I've realized that we need to start focusing on what's really important in our lives, what's really important in the world around us. And I've kind of adapted this approach of honing in. Honing in. Is that thing, is that book that you're going to read, is that really significant for you? Is that going to do something for you? Is that relationship that you're making, 
Is that significance in your life? Is, is there a future? Where, where are you going? And I've started just honing in and, and I've just developed more and more of a love for the Word of God, a love for, for Christian literature and reading people's testimonies. Um, and, and, and so that's possibly how I've shaped and, and, and we, we, how I've come to this, this place in my life where I've realized the importance and the depth and the joy of, of God's Word. Um, and then, finally, by way of introduction, um, more and more so, I mean, time just seems to be flying. I mean, we're almost at the end of the year. I don't know if you've just thought about it recently. But time is just flying past. You know, it was 2019 the other day before COVID. Doesn't it just feel like it? It's just like there's a whole gap. You know, this COVID gap. And now our lives are sort of carrying on. But we find ourselves now at the end of 2022 already. It's just like crazy, our, our time. And um, a good friend of ours, Bev, was talking about the other day. And she said, it's, for her, it's like, um, you know when the water runs out your bath? And that swirl you get. She said, it's almost like that. It's like we're going towards that middle part there. Quicker and quicker. And, and it's just speeding up and speeding up. And, and time is running out. Um, and this world is, is, is running to a close. And so just in light of that, um, I just realized more about this time thing. You know? And it relates to our relationships. It relates to what we're spending our, our time doing. Um, it relates to where we're involved in a church. You know, all these, these, these are big things, important things. And we don't have time left to, 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 to waste time in those, in those aspects. And so maybe just a verse that ties in with that is, um, is um, uh, in, in Philippians 2 verse 12. Maybe one day we're going to do that in the near future. Um, it says, I'm trying, I, I say I'm trying to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. And I'm assured that God is working in me to will and to work for his good pleasure. So that's just, um, that's just where I'm at at the moment. But let, let's, get into, let's get into the Word and let's, let's see what the Lord has to, to, um, to say to us this morning. And I'm just so conscious that He needs to speak to us. You know, the Holy Spirit has to be here. Otherwise, this is just words. Um, it's maybe interesting, but nothing more than that. So we're just trusting that He will move among us. And, and speak to us today. And maybe I'll just commit that to the Lord. Lord, at this time, we just trust you, Lord. We trust you that all of us that are here to this morning were meant to be here, Lord. That there's, there's something to hear from you this morning. And may we open our hearts and just be open to that, Lord. Not, not to have any distractions. Not to worry about the messenger or the way that this is presented, but just to focus on you, Lord. Yeah. Focus on your word this morning and to bring glory to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I felt this morning that I'd like to share a bit from the story of Nicodemus, and I'm sure we all know that story. Um, it will probably benefit you to follow if you've got a Bible or if you've got it on your phone. Because we can actually go through the verses and discuss a little bit about it. So it will probably benefit you if you do follow um, 
in your Bible. So it's, it's John 3, we're looking at John 3. But before we actually read the scripture, let's give a bit of background and a bit of context because it actually it's very important in this in the scripture. So the book of John, just by way of background, the book of John is written by the Apostle John. Apostle John, we know, was the dearly beloved disciple, very close to Jesus. And um, he was writing to believers. The message of John, the Gospel of John, was, was written mainly to believers. And the Gospel of John stands out from the other Gospels. The other Gospels are what they call the Synoptic Gospels, and they group together, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But John stands out. It's a little bit different. It's a different Gospel. Um, and, um, and he tells us what his aim is in John. When he wrote the Gospel of John, he tells us what, what he's trying to do. Why is he writing this Gospel? And that aim is found in John 20, verse 30. <clears throat> And it says, you don't need to turn there, but he says there, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing you may have life in his name. And what's interesting about that is those words are present continuous sense. So, Another way of saying it is so that you may continue believing and you may continue having life in his name. And remember, this is written to believers. So that you may continue believing and that you may continue having life in his name as a believer. And it's interesting that John, when he starts off, he goes back right to the beginning. So other Gospels go back uh, to Jesus' lineage goes back to Abraham or whatever. John, and we heard about Genesis this morning. John goes right back. He goes right back. And remember where he starts, John. In the beginning. Interesting, I've heard Genesis this morning. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. What a way to start a book, eh? What a way to start a book. And... Um, and then, some more background. So that's about the book of John, and, and, and we're going to read from there. Some more background is about the Pharisees, because Nicodemus was a Pharisee. So the Pharisees were the leaders and the teachers of the people in those days. They were highly respected. And the Pharisees believed in sanctification by works. So you could work out your, your salvation. It was a works thing. They followed and they emphasized both written and spoken traditions. So the, the, the law, the written law, but also oral. They were just passed down, how they, they, they passed it on. And they were learned and respected by the community for their knowledge of the scriptures. They believed in the resurrection of the dead. And I'll tell you now why we say that. And then... Um, it's also believed that the, the, the rabbis, as we, see, as we know them today, emerged over years from the Pharisaical uh, sect. You know, the, the line of the Pharisees eventually led to the rabbis, which we even know today, the Jewish rabbis. 
Um, and then just in contrast to the Pharisees were the Sadducees. The Sadducees um, were from the wealthy class of the Jews. And they, they emphasized the role of the temple and the temple rituals in your sanctification. Whereas remember the Pharisees were about your works. The Sadducees were very centered on the temple. Um, and they did not believe in the resurrection. So I don't know what the objective of all those rituals and everything was. There's no resurrection. Anyhow, um, their class, so they didn't believe in the resurrection. Interesting, their class died out. <laughs> so their class died out with the destruction of the temple. When the temple was destroyed, the Sadducees was, what's the point? There was no more temple. Now, what's interesting is, what did they think about the Messiah? Because this gives us context of Nicodemus. Was, what is his view of the Messiah when Nicodemus comes to you? And the Pharisees did believe in a Messiah. You know, they had the Old Testament books. So they were waiting and expecting a Messiah. Um, but just like Jesus' disciples initially, they were expecting a king, a conquering king to come. And he was going to come and he was going to be a victor. He was going to liberate them. And he was going to sit on his throne and rule. This is the Messiah that the Pharisees were expecting. So that gives context to Nicodemus and where he's at. So let's, let's read through. I'd like to read through the, the, the scripture on Nicodemus. And then we're going to discuss it a bit. And then the important thing at the end will be the application. How does this apply and how does it relate to, to your life? So we're looking at uh, John 3, verses 1 to 15. <clears throat> this is from ESV. I'm reading the ESV verse. Uh, Bible. <clears throat> now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, you speak of what we know, and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. 
think we're going to just read so far. We may refer to some of the other verses. But that explains um, the crux of, of the interaction with, um, with Nicodemus. So Nicodemus has come to Jesus by night. Remember, he's the leader. I imagine he's probably quite well-dressed. He's well-respected. He's, he's a man of, of society, you know. Um, and he's come to Jesus by night. He's come privately. And um, he's probably come aside. You know, it's cool, it's nice. He's come aside with Jesus and maybe there's one or two disciples sitting around somewhere listening in on the conversation because we've got a record of it, yeah? Um, but Nicodemus is, is a little bit different because we've read many examples of where the Pharisees came and they were very challenging on Jesus, weren't they? They would try and trick him, they would try and trap him. Um, they wanted to try and have a case against Jesus. But Nicodemus doesn't. He, he comes aside, he comes privately. Um, so I imagine this man, this astute man coming, and he's coming for answers. He's coming for answers. He's, he's followed all his life in this tradition. He's seeking God because he obeys all the traditions of the people. And they believe this is a way to sanctification. He's doing all those things that he has to do. He's complying with the requirements of the Pharisees. He's got learning. He's got knowledge. He's intellectual. And here he comes to Jesus at night. He's looking for answers. He's looking for something. And he says to him, how does he, how does he pose a question? Does he pose a question? He says to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. So let's see, what is the question? Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So my question is, what is his question? Is, is that, or is that a statement? We know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. So what is the question here? Why, why has he come to see Jesus? What is he saying about why I'm here? Why am I here with you, Lord? Not Lord, you would have said Rabbi. Eh? Now, something interesting here about the scripture. We know you're a teacher from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. It's interesting that in John, he doesn't refer to miracles. There's, there's two words, apparently. The one is the word for signs, in the Greek. I don't know what the word is. But there's another word for miracles. And the other, the other Gospels tend to refer to miracles. But they use the word for miracles. But John's Gospel, firstly, he doesn't mention as many of them as the other Gospels. But he also uses the word for sign. And not, not, not the word for miracles. And yeah, he says, We know that your teacher come from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So what was he asking? Was he asking, Lord, let's talk about the miracles that you do or the signs that you do. Let's talk about that a bit. Uh, I'm interested to know. Because a lot of them were. Herod and Pilate and all these guys were interested in the signs. They even wanted to know. 
show us a sign. And the Pharisees, they were interested in the signs. Or was he asking, are you from God? Was he asking that? He's saying that, we know that you're a teacher from God. No one can do these signs as you do unless God is with him. So was he saying, you're from God. What can you tell me from God? Are you a prophet? What can you tell me? Show me God. I'm interested in knowing more about God's kingdom. Because remember, his whole life, his whole life was, was based on this. How do you please God? How do you become acceptable? Jesus says, yeah, we go right into it. Jesus says to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You want to know about God. You want to know about God's kingdom. Truly, truly, I say to you. Remember when Jesus says, truly, truly, he's emphasizing it. There's a truth here. There's, a, there's something weighty here. He's saying, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, Oh, then Nicodemus says, What? Paraphrase, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? So now Nicodemus is taking this from his reference. This is what he's learned about physiology, what he knows about life. How can this be? I'm a learned man. How can this be? How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? Jesus says to him again, Truly, truly, I say to you, you want to know about the kingdom? Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. What is Jesus saying here? Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. How does that, what does that mean? Um, and some people say the water represents purification um, or the Holy Spirit. Remember we, we, we've spoken about the, the water at the well and so forth and drawing the Holy Spirit relates to the Holy Spirit. Um, but I, I'm, I'm fairly convinced that the water represents this, the physical birth. So the baby is suspended in water in the womb. He's suspended in water. When a baby is born, the water breaks. So I think there's a good, a good case here that the water represents the, the physical birth. And remember, if you're not physically yet, if you're not present yet, you can't experience salvation. You first have to be born. You first have to exist before you can experience. So he's saying, uh, yes, you need to be born, you need to exist. But then you need to be born of the Spirit. That's the second birth. And... The important word is and, water and the Spirit. You need to exist, but you need to be born of the Spirit. And you can't leave off the Spirit. That's, that's what he's emphasizing here. <clears throat> and then he says that born of flesh. So this, this, this emphasizes my, my, my view of that. That born of flesh is flesh, the physical. And that born of the Spirit is Spirit from, from, from God, from above. And then he carries on. The wind blows where it wishes. Jesus carries on. You hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. 
So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. And that's, that reminds me a little bit of, of Pentecost, doesn't it? When it says, um, the wind blows, um, and it's so it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. It, it sounds a lot like, like Pentecost, um, speaking about the wind and the Spirit. Again, Nicodemus says, how can this be? He's still battling to, to process this. How can this be? How can this be? And why is it difficult for him? Why is this, this teaching so difficult for him at this stage? Everything that this man has been taught and that he's lived from is suddenly coming before him and being challenged. These are the facts of life. These are what he's learned. And he's a learned man. And he's looked, read books and he's done all these things. These things are coming before him and suddenly, suddenly this man seems to be from God. He's throwing this all out, upturning this, upturning these things. How can these things be? And even about spiritual things, he has a perception. This is how it works. You've got to do these things and then God will accept you. you know? And some of that was true. Remember the, the, the tabernacle? And that was God's laws that was given to them. You've got to do all these things. All the cleansings, all the sprinklings, all the... Otherwise you can't come into my presence. Only the priest can do this. So some of that was given by God and it was true. Those rituals and those cleansings and all those things. It was true. And, and, and Nicodemus knew this. But yeah, this man comes and he's, up, he's throwing everything upside down. That he that knows and that is, that is his background and that he's lived his whole life. In sincerity. And Jesus says to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things? Truly, truly. In other words, do you really understand what these things are all about? These things. Truly, truly. These things you've lived with. Truly, truly, I say to you, again, important. We speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Now, what is Jesus saying there? Suddenly it's we. Jesus is saying we. We speak of what we, what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not believe our testimony. And yet Jesus is referring to the testimony of the Father and the Son. And if you want support for that, you can have a look at John 8 verse 14. We're not going to look at it now. But the, the Pharisees were challenging him there in John 8 verse 14. And they said, on what, on what grounds are you saying these things? Why? Who gives you permission? Who is your witness? Because remember, they always want witnesses. And yet Jesus is saying, um, we have witnesses. He's saying, we speak of what we know. He knows. He's been with the Father. He knows. He's been with the Father in the Father's presence. And bear witness to what we have seen. The Son and the Father. We have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. That's hard, eh? Saying this to Nicodemus. You do not receive our testimony. But he's also speaking to the Pharisees as a whole. Then he says, If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? We're down here on this level yeah, on the earth. I'm trying to explain to you where all your purification and everything fits in. But you're back in to even understand these basic things I'm trying to tell you. How can I, 
How can we relate to, to more weighty things, the things of heaven? How, how are you going to get your understanding and your mind around those things? Then he says, no one has ascended. So he understands. Jesus understands. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. What's he saying? He's saying, I've got personal... I'm Jesus. I've, I've experienced this. I know. I've been with the Father. I've been face to the face with the Father. I've, I've lived in the love of the Father. The love that we've experienced between us. That's where I'm coming from. But you, you haven't. You, we, you, cannot, you cannot fully understand these things. You're from the earth, Nicodemus. You, you, you're a man. You're, you're, you haven't experienced this. And this just relates to man constantly trying to get to God, to trying to get close to God. Think of the Tower of Babel. You know, man trying to get up there to God. Um, and the tabernacle. You know, the, trying to get close to God. But remember, the, the, the Hebrews couldn't even go into, they didn't even know what the tabernacle looked like inside. Imagine that, eh? You know, you, you only at a distance. You're at a distance. There's, 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 a, there's, a, there's a, a barrier. Imagine that. And here's the tradition of the Pharisees, the barrier. They, they're trying these futile ways to, to reach God, but it's an imperfect way. It's the first covenant. It's, not, it's, not, it's so imperfect. And how they're battling with this. And then Jesus says something that he can relate to. You see that in, in, your, in your scriptures. That he says, this is something that I'm going to give you something that you do understand and that you can relate to. What does he say? He says to him, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now he's referring to the serpent in the wilderness. This is something that Nicodemus can relate to. He knows it. It's in the scriptures. He's read it. They've spoken about it. They've discussed it. It's a teaching in their synagogues, whatever. They know about this Moses lifting up the serpent. What was the background to that story? Because that's also, also of interest to us. Um, and that story is contained in Numbers 21, verse 5 to 9. Um, and what was the, the context there? Um, so, the Israelites were grumbling. Can we just read that quickly? Let's just have a quick look at that because it, it does provide some context there. Um, so Numbers 21. Numbers 21, verse 5. <clears throat> and the people spoke against... God and against Moses. These are the Israelites in the wilderness. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Woe is me. There is no food. There is no water. And we loathe this worthless food. They're speaking about the manna from heaven. Yeah. We loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. Can God do that? Can God use tough things? Maybe even evil things to speak to people. 
that's a challenge. <clears throat> um, the people sent, the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they and they bit the people so that many of the people died. Remember, the Lord was working with Israel as a nation. Uh, he was talking to Israel as his child, and some people actually even died due to disobedience. He was teaching the nation. And the people came to Moses and said, "Okay, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord. They did realize what they'd done. And against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Moses interceded, as he often had to. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. So that's, that's the background. So the people were complaining. People were grumbling. And um, they were punished for that. But yeah, he's speaking to again to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, and there's significance of this later on in the, in the life of Nicodemus as well. This, this story about the, the bronze serpent being lifted up, and we'll, we'll touch on that as well. Um, everyone who was bitten and looked to the ser- serpent lived. So you could, either, you could either be bitten by the serpent, you could die, or you could just look at the serpent, or the, the serpent on the pole, and you would live. Um, so it seems like there, it wasn't a difficult decision to make. Um, I don't want to miss this section there. Okay. So that, that's kind of a, a summary um, of, of the story. Um, and let's, let's, then it goes on though, I mean, then the story goes on, this is still probably the, 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 the narrative of, 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 of Jesus and Nicodemus. Um, he says, um, he speaks about um, that, that, that well-known scripture, isn't it? Um, Whoever believes in may have eternal life. For God so loved the world. Isn't that just a, a lovely verse, eh? That he gave his only begotten son, or his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Nicodemus. But whoever does not believe is condemned because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Verse 21. Whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. That's the end of the narrative with Nicodemus.
So, do we know? Do we know what impact this had on Nicodemus? Do we know? Does the scriptures tell us? Was there an impact that Nicodemus eventually understand? Or did he understand at this point? I'm not sure. Um, we've got some clues. But what else do we know about Nicodemus? Um, what else we know is there's, there's two other references to Nicodemus. In John 7, in John 7 verse 15, um, they've been accusing Jesus, uh, the, the, the Pharisees. They want to make a case against Jesus and possibly even lead to his crucifixion at that stage already. It was the Feast of uh, Tabernacles. And Jesus had been speaking to the crowds, and the crowds were in awe of him and what he was saying. And instead of enjoying the feast, the, the Pharisees and the, the Sanhedrin are together. Instead of obeying the rules and being with a feast, where they should be, the Feast of Tabernacles, they in a meeting together discussing Jesus and what to do. And yeah, it tells us that um, Nicodemus actually defends Jesus, but on a technical point. If I can put it that way. He says, um, the Pharisees were trying to arrest Jesus on some spurious grounds. And then Nicodemus says to, him, to them, he says, does our law condemn a man before we end? That's, that's what he says. He says, this is our law. Um, we must at least give the, give the man opportunity to defend himself. He doesn't stand up and say, I've seen this man. I've spoken to him. He sounds like a good guy. Any of that. He doesn't say that. That's all he says. That's all Nicodemus says. Does our Lord condemn a man before him? And for saying that, he was ridiculed by the rest of them. Just for saying that. Um, they said to him, don't you know that no prophet comes from Galilee? But they weren't even informed. Because they didn't realize that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. They said, don't you know if prophet, no prophet comes? And if they were informed, they were deceiving the people on purpose. To say that this man comes from Galilee. He was born in Galilee. He did live in Galilee, but he wasn't born. And if they knew their facts, they would know that Jesus was from, from Bethlehem. But they ridiculed um, Nicodemus, saying, Come on, this man's from Galilee. Come on, you. You know, you should know that Nicodemus. Um, so that was all we are about Nicodemus there. But I believe God used that, that uh, meeting to confound the Pharisees. They didn't go ahead and arrest Jesus. It sounds like they just dispersed after that. It says everyone went to his, his own house after that. So, the, so God used that situation and used Nicodemus to just confound him. It wasn't Jesus' time yet. Um, that's in John 7 verse 50. Then finally in John 19, 19 verse 3. Now remember I said we will hear about the serpent on, this, on the pole. And the significance for, for Nicodemus. In John 19 verse 3. We read that Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. Were the two that came to remove Jesus' body from the cross. And laid him in a tomb. So how's that? Eh? Jesus told him. When the son of man is raised up on the pole. People will look to him for salvation. Yes, Nicodemus. Seen Jesus on the cross. Removing his body from the cross. Imagine the impact those words would have on him, even either at that time or later. 
in his life. So that's the story of, of Nicodemus. Um, but let's, let's just see what is, what is that saying to us this morning. There's a scripture that, that's on my heart, been on my heart a lot lately, and that is Hebrews 2 verse 1, which says, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And you know, sometimes as Christians, we've The gospel message is, is almost, um, and I don't mean this derogatory, but it's almost old hat. You know, we've, we've lived with it. It's, it's, it's been in our life. Um, it's in society. You know, Christmas time, you see the images um, of the baby in a manger. People walk around with crosses around their necks. It's a societal thing almost, you know. And somehow the the spirit and the, the power has been diminished by society. They've, they've robbed the gospel message of that. And we are the ones. We are the ones that have a spirit abiding within us. And Hebrews 12 says, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And that's a challenge to us this morning. You know, are we paying that much closer attention? And as time rushes by, as we reach the end of the end of the ages, time quickly goes past. Are we doing that? Are we paying much closer attention? Are we working out our salvation with fear and trembling? Because God is working in us. Because God is working within us. Um, and so, the challenge to each one of us today is: What is your frame of reference? Where are you coming from today? What have you grown up with? What have you always accepted as gospel? Maybe a church tradition. What has been the norm for you? And sometimes it's, it's sinful things that hold us back. It can be fleshy things. Remember we read, the light has come into the world. People love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Sometimes it's respectable respectable sins that we have a, a bad attitude or a, or a temper or a whatever what, what is that thing for each of us that, that holds us that, that area of weakness, that temptation that thing that we always battle with what is that thing that holds us just like Nicodemus had those things that were holding him how can this be he says how can this be, too hard too hard And when last did you do that? When last did you look more closely? More closely. When last did you check your spiritual pulse? Or do you just assume, look, everything's in order. I'm just trying to get through this COVID. I'm just trying to get through this month at work. I'm just trying to fix up my marriage. Sometimes we lose track. We, we haven't checked our spiritual pulse for a while. We're just cruising. And the time is going. The time is running. And those strongholds, those things we've always believed, this, this is the way it's always been. This is the way it's so right. Maybe it's a, a cultural thing. Maybe it's a family background. 
you know. I've always been like this. Maybe there's, there's, there's influences in your family that are not healthy, you know, but you've just accepted it. This is, this is how it's always been, it's, you know. And then is the sacrifice too hard for you? Like for Nicodemus. Is it, is it too hard? Is it too hard to, to grasp? Is it too hard to understand? There's a sacrifice involved. Is, is you, this is who I am. These are things that make me who I am today. I can't change this. It's, it would be a new, a new me, a different me. It's not me. I've always had this quick temper. That's just how I am. You know, whatever it is. I've always had this weakness. That's my personality. You know. Yeah, we've been challenged. We've been challenged. Is the sacrifice too hard? And let's end on a, on, a, on a positive note. Let's just remember what this is all about. You know, the, the trials that we go through, the temptations that we face, even if there's sin in our life. You know, the, the, sin gives you an instant quick high. Let's not, let's not deny that. Sin is great. It gets you right up there immediately, quickly. You know, it's a pleasure. And then, of course, you go right down there. But for that moment, it's the greatest thing. At the moment, it's the greatest thing. But God's ways are richer and deeper and fuller and they endure. We're talking about things of the kingdom. We're talking about long-term things. And if you, if you, by God's grace, can put away those things, can put away the baggage and, and move away from that, God is more for you and it's richer and it's fuller and there's joy and there's peace in those things. And would you today just make a decision to step into those things, to step into that future that he has for you? Would that be your choice today? Um, Philippians says about rejoicing always. Um, you know, rejoicing always, rejoicing in all circumstances. Put away those things. God has so much in store for you, so much riches. We heard about it before church this morning. Let's focus on that. Those gifts, those presents, those things that he has in store for us. We want to walk into those. I want to experience those things. But let's deal with those issues that we've got. Let's deal with that baggage that we've got. Let's not allow those things to, to be a stumbling block for us. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you for that, uh, Wiz. I think um, I would... Um, ask Wiz to pray for us uh, in this way. So um, the question part of it is you, us learned people, what um, questions do we have? Like Nicodemus, what do we have? And then where do we go for those answers? Where do we go for those answers? So if you could please pray for us and uh, yeah, God help us. Oh Lord, just thank you for your spirit. Just thank you for, for massaging us, our hearts this morning, for speaking to our hearts, for speaking to my heart, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would be the, the after preaching this message. Lord, as we go home, would you continue to speak to us, to challenge us, Lord? What are those things that you put your finger on this morning? What are those areas where you're challenging us, us this morning? And thank you even that we've received a, a glance of, of what you have in store for us 
if we learn, if we learn and if we, if we prepare to make those sacrifices, if we prepare to take up our cross daily, the things that you have in store for us. Now, I have seen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that, that, that there's hope for us, that there's a future for us, a bright future, Lord. And thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for the joy of your way. Thank you for the fullness of your message, Lord. Mm. That it, it takes care of us, Lord. It takes care of our emotions, Lord, of our, of our soul, of our spirit, even of our intellect, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that there's such a full way ahead of us this morning. Thank you for each person that's here this morning. For each issue that, that, that we each bring with us, Lord. We lay them at your feet. We lay those things at your feet, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Brother Wesley.